stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi there, this is Holly Shaw. I'm here at the Digital Hollywood Conference, and I want to thank Digital Hollywood for being one of our sponsors today, as well as Sennheiser. So I'm here with Jerry Lynn Hogg from Fielding Graduate University. Hey, Jerry, how's it going? Are it's you en- great. enjoying yourself here? Very much so. Awesome. So it's just the beginning of the week, so. So you were telling me something fascinating. You are, um, you run one of the first... PhD programs in media psychology. Am, am I getting right. it right? That's right. We're the first <laughs> media psychology program in the world um, focusing on um, social change. Yeah. So we have PhD, master's, and certificate students all in media psychology. Okay. And so media psychology, I was just we just touched on this a little bit with Cynthia Lieberman. Right. But um, can you tell us, unpack that? Because I sure. was f- so fascinated to find out that that was a thing. So uh, you and, and many other people, I have yeah. to tell you, it makes great... Uh, uh, airplane talk people have go well a media psychologist what's that right but so the soundbite really is how media and technology influence the way we behave yeah but if you want to think of a bit a little bit further how we make meaning of our lives how we form relationships and connect so you can see definitely how uh, media and technology are play such an important place there now sure because there's there's such connectors in our lives exactly I mean, we're living exactly. most of our lives through and, media and yet in many ways um our core drivers the way we want to have that need to connect mm. is fundamental and so what we understand from years back are the same now we're yeah. just switching out or facilitating in different ways. So what's, what's one of the most fascinating things that, um, about media psychology? Like some of the findings that <laughs> put you on the okay, spot. that's big. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was only a few minutes. Didn't know we were going to be here. For, um, one of the areas I'm particularly interested in, I mean, I've always w- been interested in, in what changes not necessarily what's good or bad, but what changes as we um, become more digitally connected. Yeah. And uh, I'm also a positive psychologist, so I'm looking at our strengths. We need to know what areas where there are problems so we can bolster for it, but let's lead with our strengths. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested in environments, um, so that augmented and virtual reality, which are two of the things that are being featured here at, yeah. at Digital Hollywood this week, is an area that I've done a lot of research and I'm particularly interested in. I started out in the online world uh, creating educational environments, which makes sense since I'm the director of the media psychology program. But I definitely have evolved into, as we move into augmented and virtual spaces, how are we using that? How, how is that technology um, influencing us? And I think we're going to get to a point, and certainly we're already starting to talk about it when we talk about mixed reality, where we no longer are talking about are we in virtual reality? Are we in real life? Are we, you know, in this mixed space? But instead, that that will be start to be seamless, and we'll no longer be talking about the specific technology, and rather what's experienced when we're in there, and what kinds of environments can we can create to sort of facilitate that. Okay, wow, you're really blowing my mind. <laughs> well, so, let, let, let me take yeah, a step put back. Some context so to that. Many of you might remember that second kind life. of frightening yeah. to me. <laughs> it shouldn't be. Okay. But it is when you look at, like, okay, we're all going to be these avatars, and I'm right? not speaking okay. about that. But that is one of the ways that I um, also got interested in, in doing so further research. 
I participated in Second Life and actually used to teach classes in Second Life. And, and some of you folks know exactly what that are that is and some folks don't. But it was a space, a virtual reality space, um, if you want to call it that, where people could get online on their computer, create an avatar. Most often they'd create an avatar that looked very similar to them mm-hmm. and create different spaces, um, you know, whether it's a, a beach or you could even have a classroom or an amphitheater. Mm-hmm. In this one particular case, I uh, you could go into see some of Michelangelo's work or something oh, wow. and travel the world. Cool. And I had just finished teaching a class and I was hanging out with a couple of my colleagues and I happened to be in West Hartford, Connecticut mm-hmm. in a blizzard sitting at my computer, and one of my colleagues was in Philadelphia, and another one of my colleagues was in the OC, nice warm, uh, California. And we were all sitting there, avatar next to avatar, the three of us, and we were in a beach scene, and the palm trees were sort of blowing in the wind. And here I was in this warm environment, feeling like I was sharing that same physical space, even though cognitively I knew I wasn't there. I knew I was in a blizzard in West Hartford, Connecticut, of course, in my warm house inside of of that weather. Um, And yet I had that sensation of sharing the same space with them and um, being in a very relaxing, the palm trees swaying gently and the, and, you know, the waves and all relaxed me. And ever since then, I have been intrigued about how can we get into that and what is it that in our brain that facilitates that? Yeah, that's fascinating to me as a, as a former dancer, as a very somatic body energetic transmission type of person like Mm -hmm. I'm an in-person person person. so I guess what's coming to mind for me is how what about the transmission of energy like I'm wondering if just seeing it having your senses stimulated replicates that somehow do you know anything right so we we do know um micro steps and certainly the technology is continuing to facilitate things and we're getting to places where we're not relying just on what we can see when we're in a virtual environment we're getting into tactile types of things and even augmented sound um there's some great things coming out of bose if you haven't looked at that um but I, I also want to say some of it is that experiential, what you're talking about. And it yeah. isn't necessarily the technology that's making us feel feel that. And I'm also right. not saying I think we all should just jump into a virtual environment in, um, and live there all together. Uh, I mean, when, when I go out and speak about this, uh, one of the first questions is, you know, why? Why would I even want a virtual experience? Mm. Other than, obviously, the people that are in the um, game and entertainment want that, you yeah. know, sort of um, intense because we know it's it, that there's heightened emotion because you've got all these sensations around you. Mm-hmm. Um, but but why, why would I want to pray? Right. And I'm not saying let's all move there. I think mm-hmm. the fear is that we'll be alone together, sort of um, uh, Sherry Turkles, that we'll be sitting yeah. side by side with our goggles on, you know, our headsets right. on, and, right. and not actually right. interacting or maybe interacting in that virtual space, even though we're s- sharing the same physical mm-hmm. space. And look at the different types of things. For example, let's use a few extreme things. Um, a military person is is deployed and wife is having the baby and now can oh. maybe be in that virtual experience to be able to feel like they're sharing oh, that same wow. physical space. Or look at those kinds of potentials that it's yeah. giving us. And again, yeah. um, we, we know this about social media. You don't have everyone all use the same social media. You don't have someone get on and use everything that's available. So I'm not sure. saying let's use use all of these technologies just because they're new and creative and innovative, right. but understand what kinds of things are helping to facilitate. Yeah, I have possible. some students right now that are um, doing research. One 
Um, there's a movie out from the United Nations, Cloud Over Cedra, and she just finished her dissertation, and she was talking about how the um, heightened emotional uh, impact that um, being in that virtual reality experience was. And if you're not familiar with it, that is a movie where they followed a 12-year-old a girl that was in a, 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 a Syrian refugee camp. Um, so, and they followed what her day was like and for people to be able to understand what it was like to be in that situation. Exactly. I'm someone that can't even watch a scary movie, well, alone, right? So well, that brings <laughs> up that one thing I think we do have to be mindful of, yeah. and this is where we need to continue to have some research, is the ethical considerations, because yeah. we start to get into that point of, you know, yeah. did I really experience this? You know, they have, um, I think that one that... Uh, one research study that was, was is cited frequently as a child went to um, Disney World and a virtual reality experience and yeah. then later on didn't remember that they hadn't actually been there, believed that they really truly had been there. Wow. So I'm, I'm scared with scary movies too. And yeah. so it's one thing for me on a screen <laughs> to see Freddy, another one for him to pop out right next to me. And so exactly. I think we do yeah. need to continue yeah. to um, do research in that area and be aware of yeah, exactly how that might be Experiencing trauma, if, if that child is experiencing trauma, I see how VR, virtual reality, could build empathy mm-hmm. by following around a 12-year-old girl. If we're watching and we're experiencing something that someone is being traumatized experiencing, is there like a good case for spreading that traumatized PTSD? Right. And I, and, and I think that's why we have to think yeah. of, understand it and use it ethically. Uh, here, let's counter with uh, what kind of positive yeah. things that can do. They're doing using um, VR and medical, now medical VR. And so uh, one example is a child that was through a horrible um, accident where he had to have his bandages changed every day, and it was an incredibly painful incident. Um, he had heightened anxiety um, and obviously lots and lots of pain. They would have to give him um, painkillers before they could even do this. Um, they put him in a VR experience in attempts to reduce, not only did it reduce, it eliminated. So the child no longer felt pain and wasn't anxious about it. And they were still doing the exact same procedures. And so they're continuing to do that. There's a lot of studies, particularly out of Stanford right now, where um, um, they're using the medical VR and the things that we might be able, the potential that we might be able to do there is, is quite amazing. Well, and the things that we can learn about the human mind and our experiences and how malleable they are, mm. I find really fascinating. I d- didn't tell you, but I'm a hypnotherapist. So I, so you understand it like exactly. hypnosis it to is. some degree. It it's is. hypnosis. But yeah. I see, I see a sliding scale between hypnosis, meditation, um, yeah. even types of things that you're getting through, through yeah. yoga or maybe possibly a chiropractor or an acupuncturist because we are looking at the different systems in the body and being able to relax those and then get into a a visual meditative state. And so certainly something like that can be done in a virtual environment as well. Right. So just like any tool could be used to harm or traumatize, Mm -hmm. this tool could also be used to heal as a healing device, which is very exciting. Exactly. Just really great. I love this conversation we're having, and it feels like we get to have more of it. So, <laughs> so Cynthia, what's um, what is your project right now? What are you um, excited about next? Oh, gee. Um, so, well, Jerry Lynn, just to just to 
Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> Jerry Lynn Hogg. I'm talking, I've been here a little too long. <laughs> I'm speaking with Jerry Lynn Hogg from Fielding <laughs> Graduate University. That's all right. That's all right. That's a, that's a great name, too. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you excited? Uh, so um, an interesting one that um, one of my students who is lives in Jordan, and she's worked with the uh, World Health Organization quite a bit, um, is a nutritionist. And she's using augmented reality and looking at what types of possible research you can do using augmented reality for nutritional benefits so that if you can overlay oh. information and uh, over a meal, and because she's even gone into Syria and worked with the refugees there and helped um, the families with nutrition. So, so I, there's so many different oh areas. We could, I'm, so could go on and on. Thank so. you so much, Jerry Lynn Hogg. I really Thank appreciate you. it. <laughs>